This is the Good Omens podcast on TV Podcast Industries in association with Podcastica. And we're back talking about Good Omens, Season 2, Episode 1, The Arrival. Then I was. Gabriel, please, try to pay attention. Why did you bring the box here? What's Gabriel? You are! At least I think you are. Gabriel. Cool. I love it. Gabriel. Although... Ah, actually, uh, no, no. If anyone asks, you're not Gabriel. Oh, okay. Uh, then what am I? Well, you're, um, uh, Jim. Jim, cool, I love it. Jim, short for Gabriel. No, no, uh, short for James. James, cool, I love it. James, long for Jim, short for Gabriel. No, just forget about Gabriel. (laughs) I'll try, but I find it kind of hard to forget things. Welcome back, fellow acolytes, angels, and demons. This is the Good Omens podcast for season two, episode one, The Arrival. I'm one of your hosts, Derek, and I'm joined by my own ineffable fiancé, John. Well, thank you, and welcome back, fellow acolytes. It has been a long, long time being in this world, and I'm so glad that we're back in I know. Good Omens season one was 2019. Before the world uh, went a bit odd <laughs> before, and skew-if. Yes, before the world had its own apocalypse. Yes, yes. Yes. Or cough-pocalypse, I think, was, is how it's being referred to now <laughs> <laughs> at this stage. But great to be back talking about Good Omens. Um, I know that there's a sound clip from the first episode that I know we're going to use throughout this season. But I'm going to dedicate the first use of it to our our co-host Chris, who's not on season two of Good Omens. But he was adamant at the end of season one that because the show had been so good, it was going to give us season two. I fought back against him saying the book was written back in the 90s or the or, yeah late, late 80s, early 90s. Yes. And there was no chance that there was going to be a season two. So in honor of Chris. You were right. You were right. I was wrong. You were right. There you go. <laughs> so Chris. The one of us that was right, uh, that there was definitely going to be a season two. This has been long in the works, uh, apparently based on notes that uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett had worked on together before Terry Pratchett's untimely passing uh, many years ago. They had decided that if the show was going to be made, they may get a second season and they would come up with an idea for a follow up and a sequel uh, to the first book to Good Omens. Yes, I'm so glad uh, that they have used their scribbles, mm-hmm. notes uh, and you name it, jottings in, in order to come up. Uh, with the season two and of course for terry as well of course of course good old terry pratchett yeah so yeah just really glad to be back uh with aziraphale and crowley uh-huh. it's uh it's just nice to be back I it think. really is uh, with all just the little quirkiness um you know from elevating the humble eccles cake <laughs> to that little quirky song of you were right you were right i was wrong you were right. Absolutely, absolutely. A great uh, a great moment in the episode. And uh, there's lots of fun things to talk about. If you don't know us, uh, myself and John are from TV Podcast Industries. Uh, you may be hearing us on the Podcastica feed. Uh, thanks very much for Jason Cabassi uh, for putting 
this together and allowing us to uh, to share the podcast to the rest of Podcastica. But we've been podcasting for over nine years now. This is our 775th episode of TV Podcast Industry. We've covered loads and loads of shows over the years uh, on the podcast. And I've also been a contributor to The Walking Dead cast and, uh, and House Podcastica over there with, uh, with Jason. So he kindly let us over here in Ireland talk about this wonderful, very British sitcom as part of our coverage for uh, TV Podcast Industries and Podcastica. Yes, when Britain wasn't a screaming hell of Tory rule. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. A much kinder, nicer world down there in Soho uh, in the UK. But if you want to find any more uh, information about us, any more of our podcasts, you can pop over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you can find anything over there. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about Good Omens. Uh, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or go over to podcastica.com uh, where there's loads of other podcasts over there and loads of ways to contact us through the contact page over there as well. Exactly. And whilst we have you, we have just finished our coverage on TV Podcast Industries of Marvel's Secret Invasion. Mm -hmm. We are finishing off Netflix's The Witcher uh, Season 3. And of course, we are now starting on our great adventure with Good Omens Season 2. We will, of course... Very soon be going into Ahsoka, yes, Star Wars Ahsoka, in August. Uh, the Wheel of Time mm-hmm. on from Prime uh, in September. Yep, season two. And I believe there is Gen Z as well coming up as well. There is, in September. Uh, in September as and well. And Loki season two coming in October. So, so it is coming. busy times on yep. TV podcast industries. But I'm really glad to be back with Good Omens. I mm-hmm. loved season one. Uh, I can't wait to get into season two. So let's kick off with our spoiler-filled discussion. Definitely. Derek, who gave us what, when, where, and how? (laughs) Well, of course, the show is based on characters from the novel Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Uh, This episode was written for television by Neil Gaiman and John Finnamore. Uh, John Finnamore is a British writer, most well-known for his writing with David Mitchell on Peep Show, That Mitchell and Webb Look, and David Mitchell's Soapbox. Um, He's a writer with Neil Gaiman on all episodes of Series 2 of the show. Very good. Loved Peep Show. Absolutely loved that Mitchell and Webb look. And David Certainly. Mitchell is number a, Wang. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David Mitchell is a mainstay of comedy TV and in uh, in the UK as well. So we see him on loads and loads of shows. So uh, so great to hear one of his writing partners uh, getting this role as as co writer uh, on this season of Good Omens as well. Yes. Yeah. And this episode, of course, was directed by our friend Douglas McKinnon. Yes. Yes. Good old Doug. Yes, yeah. he was. Listening along to our season one coverage. Well, just in case our wonderful fellow acolytes didn't hear the lovely message that Doug sent into us for our 500th episode, I thought we'd play it here because it was really nice. It was actually dedicated to the fans of Good Omens as well. Hello, I'm Douglas McKinnon, director of Good Omens. Congratulations on the 500th episode of TV Podcast Industries. Thanks to all of the fans of Good Omens who have listened to the excellent podcasts, and here's to the next 500. And we've had 275 episodes since <laughs> since that message was sent in by Douglas. Exactly. Wasn't yeah. Very nice. Really, really nice of him. And of course, very the shout out to the Good Omens fans mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. Well, with that, John, let's get into our coverage of Season 2 of Good Omens, Episode 1. Do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the first episode, The Arrival? Sure. After averting the apocalypse, Crowley and Aziraphale are on the outs with Heaven and Hell. Crowley is living in his car, feeling aimless and just very bored. Even his interactions with his replacement, Shax, the new high representative of Hell in London, are a struggle. 
As Shax gets to grips with her role, she's confused about why being a demon on Earth is so easy, and why the humans keep inflicting evil, horrible stuff to each other. <laughs> but Shax hears something juicy on the Hell Heaven grapevine, which definitely doesn't exist, and which is awash with rumours that there's something going down in the up. Meanwhile, at AZ Fell and Co. Bookshop in Soho, Aziraphale is relaxing to a new record he bought from Maggie in the vinyl shop across the road, and forgiving her rent arrears. Relaxing into Shostakovich, he is disturbed when a very confused and very naked Archangel Gabriel, holding a box, walks through the street straight to his shop. He doesn't know who he is, where he is, or who Aziraphale is, but he knows that Aziraphale will keep him safe and stop the bad thing that he doesn't know what it is from <laughs> happening. Slightly panicked about what is going on, Aziraphale calls the only one he knows that can help, Crowley, who is far from happy to help Gabriel. Crowley has no inclination to help Gabriel, suggesting they leave him on Dartmoor, and he refuses to help his friend, leaving to go back to his car. While away, Crowley is called on by Beelzebub, who will return Crowley to hell if he brings Gabriel to him. Beelzebub also informs him that extreme sanctions will be used by heaven against anyone harbouring Gabriel from them. Crowley returns immediately to Aziraphale to help him, and admits, with a little dance, that he was wrong and Aziraphale was right. Together, the two perform a very minor half a miracle to hide Gabriel, now named James slash Jim, from everyone's sight. But the miracle isn't minor enough, and with klaxons blurring and red lights flashing in heaven, it attracts the attention of Michael and the other angels to a little bookshop in Soho. Excellent stuff. And yes, as we said, great to be back in this uh, this sense of humour in, in Good Omens. There's, uh, there's some great little moments uh, in the episode overall. But also because all six episodes of the show are released on Prime Video uh, in the same day, we know that a lot of our listeners will have watched all six episodes of the show. Uh, we're going to be covering one episode at a time. Um, so because of that... On a weekly basis. On a weekly basis, of course. Um, but because of that, I think it is appropriate to do a, a full synopsis for the episode, just in case you can't remember what happened in each individual one, right? Yes, and yeah. we always do it. And we always do it. Exactly. So we're creatures of habit, <laughs> shall you say. Absolutely. What else do we always do? We always talk about our top moments from the episode, trying to cover off everything that's happened in the episode, the fun things and the things we enjoyed uh, throughout it. Uh, we call these four, our Good Omens podcast, the signs of the apocalypse. Yes, we do. So shall we get into our first sign of the apocalypse? Absolutely. Where are we starting, John? We're starting in the beginning. Or even before the beginning. Before the beginning, nonetheless. <laughs> that's creation. Yes, we are reuniting with Crowley all in white here. Mm. Uh, seemingly very pious and pure at this very moment. Just carrying out the commands of God. Exactly. The yeah. uh, with Aziraphale, who helps him crank up the universe, <laughs> shall we say. Yep. Uh, the Big Bang creation mm. uh, to join the two opposing forces of religion and science. Yes. Um, and uh, just... <laughs> Really, it was just great to have these two, uh, Aziraphale and Crowley, Martin Sheen and David Tennant, mm. just batting backwards and forwards between one another. You know, yeah. totally happy at creation, very pretty, with Crowley calling it a star factory. Yes. Um, but with Aziraphale, uh, you know, indicating that, well, upstairs was said we'll be shutting it all down in about 6,000 years uh -huh. and explains that, you know, that 
the bluey greeny uh, planet over somewhere over in that quadrant once it's created um is where the people are going to be you know the the grand upstairs experiment yeah. that's going to happen um and then we just see tenant going that's a bit of a waste you know that these nebulas and stars are not just wallpaper for these people on <laughs> earth to be looking at um uh, and suggest that maybe he can tell the almighty or give him a suggestion to keep it all running mm-hmm. uh, and possibly put something in the suggestion box so it's just really sort of down to earth up in heaven uh, or up in space <laughs> yeah. and uh really sort of you know, just the, the the mundane of what they're saying around the grandiose of, of the the universe, mm-hmm. uh, and just the idea of, that Crowley kind of says, "Well, how much trouble can I get into for ask for you know giving a few few suggestions, asking a few yes. questions?" And of course, we we know what happens to Crowley. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his pure white outfit turns into a rather blackout it certainly does um, it certainly does I, I love those nods between the two characters here we got uh, we've got crowley as you say wondering whether suggesting uh things to the almighty will get him punished of course not definitely won't the almighty's lovely won't punish me at all for questioning his ineffable plan um, but i also like that we still get a zero fail here the first meeting of these two characters and he's so polite when he's telling crowley that effectively the thing he spent so much time creating <laughs> is going to be destroyed millions of years before the engine is warmed up and it will become the greatness that it could be this expansive universe yeah. that it could be um it's just great to see these two characters back i just you know you, you forget how good sheen and tenant are together when you haven't seen them together in a while but they're so they play off each other so well definitely but in this beginning of not only the universe but of the second series mm-hmm. uh, both are on the outs uh, yes they are heaven and hell sorry i did what i call out one moment that i absolutely loved from this creation of uh, of the universe i love that uh, that crowley's looking at the book and he's saying let there be everything from pages 11 to pages 300 3 million <laughs> uh, inclusive Oh, let there be light. <laughs> so, uh, using the commands as we, Absolutely. As we from the Bible. Very good. Very but good. we have in the beginning of creation, but also in the beginning of season two, and mm-hmm. we see here that both Aziraphale and Crowley are on the outs from heaven and hell. Yeah. But they have carved out their own little niche on earth. Crowley, I love the fact that he's living in his car and he's got his plants mm-hmm. on the back seat. I really hope he shouts at them again to try and <laughs> uh, get grow. them grow further. Uh, and Aziraphale is running it's a great car, like it, yeah. oh, it is. And yeah. Aziraphale is running his his sleepy bookshop there mm-hmm. on the corner uh, in Soho. Yeah. Uh, it with this little sort of community of his. He's got Nina across the road uh, with her coffee shop called give me a coffee or give me death and we Mm -hmm. have i kind of say the same sometimes myself when i'm I'm editing the podcast to be honest (laughs) and with maggie just along uh the row Mm -hmm. with her record shop and uh yes not having paid her rent for about eight months Uh about eight thousand grand and um he goes i'll do a little Debt forgiveness. I'm very good at forgiving. Absolutely, um, yeah. As he buys some Shostakovich records. Yeah, which is worth about eight pounds. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Versus the eight grand debt. Uh, to I really forgive like, her arrears, which it, is like... 
He is an angel. He is a lovely, lovely guy. <laughs> uh, a big change here from season one. We obviously, obviously saw AZ Pell and, and Co. The bookshop, and that was a big set and a big, a, a big central location uh, for season one. But here, the whole street now is uh, is becoming its own character in season two. Yes. Um, yeah. So obviously, the bringing in the uh, the local shopkeepers uh, as well as um, as Azurafel himself. So uh, there's a little touch in there that the reason why the vinyl um, record store has been left open was because originally that was in the bookshop. It was in the corner of the bookshop. Um, and we know, of course, that that is Azurafel that's been there the whole time in that bookshop. But, yes. Um, Maggie saying that apparently it was his great great grandfather who worked with her great grandfather, and um, because of that, she's allowed to keep her vinyl record shop. Uh, vinyl not as popular uh, in, no. in this world as uh, it is as it is here. There are loads of vinyl not. record stores. Nina, that stay open. Nina from the coffee shop is very skeptical uh, yes. of, of the vinyl. Uh, I think Maggie gives her a present a bit later on because I think. Yes, there are a few sort of sparks, at least from Maggie's side, with, with Nina. Yeah. So she gives her um, a copy of Nina, uh, a Nina Simone album. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, Nina of the Coffee House is um, maybe a little more sceptical of vinyl. It's well, had she, its day. She might be more of a Spotify listener than a, uh, than I a vinyl so. listener, I, I think. But there's a, I love that moment um, with the two of them when they're locked inside the coffee shop, uh, looking across the road, and uh, Maggie's door is wide open. Maggie going, oh my God, somebody could break in and steal money <laughs> from the place. And Nina going, uh, be much more worried if people could break in and leave more vinyl behind <laughs> for your record exactly. store. Exactly. Uh, very good. It's also great to have both of these actresses back, the two members of the Chattering Order of St. Beryl, the, the satanic nuns that we saw. Yeah. in season one uh, Nina played uh, Sister Mary Loquacious uh, who was pretty important uh, in, in those scenes and uh, and Maggie uh, played by Maggie Service pl- played the character uh, Sister Teresa Gerolus, uh in season one as well so uh, so great to have them back in completely different roles this time around yeah definitely I think we'll see that a little bit uh, throughout this season I've been, I've been hearing rumours there's lots of other returning actors and actresses uh, that will be popping up in different roles in this season as well absolutely mm-hmm. well it's, speaking of which we also have the awesome Miranda Richardson, yes, who was also in season one as Madame Tracy, and yes. um, now playing Shax, who is the high representative of hell in London mm-hmm. and uh, Crowley's replacement, just kind of easing herself into uh, the, the job. And I have to say, you know, her and Crowley on the, on the park bench and suddenly realizing, you know, I, I come up with all these evil sort of ideas and before I enact them, humans have already gone and done something horrible to, the, to each other or themselves. Yeah, it's way like, worse you know, than anything she could have thought of. They're, they're, they're <laughs> their own worst enemy. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of hellish stuff is imagined by yeah. humans just to inflict upon themselves. And it wasn't the reference to this in, in season one and in, and in the book as well was effectively Crowley saying the same thing, that he'd come up with this massively devious plan and it turned out that they just created a roundabout, the massive roundabout outside Birmingham which uh, which is much worse than anything <laughs> yeah, exactly. he could have come up with yeah. um, so this was really really good to have Miranda Richardson back and, and Crowley here you know kind of feeling almost a little bit put upon because she's asking these questions mm-hmm. of her predecessor mm-hmm. here um, and you just get a really sort of again another little quirky moment as someone fr- uh, sits next to Crowley <laughs> with the code uh, phrase of the clarinet is a good instrument when it's the wrong bench and yeah. you know the Azerbaijani sort of spy office dude is sat <laughs> stood just over there right. feeding bread to, to ducks which he, of course he shouldn't he should 
should you should be uh, giving them frozen peas. Is that the thing that we've learned from the episode? I guess I've so. never heard that before. Yeah, I guess so. I knew that you shouldn't be serving, uh, shouldn't be giving bread to to, uh, to ducks. I knew that, that was always a bad thing um, for the little things that uh, that they can be overfed and die. But I never knew that peas was is a it good gluten idea. something or is it just yeah. that they they explode? Well, I, I don't think bread grows naturally in the wild so uh, <laughs> no, it most certainly doesn't <laughs> so um yeah they wouldn't naturally eat bread it's only when humans feed it to them so uh, so i like the idea that it could be uh, frozen peas uh, which would be good for their yes. digestive system the idea of a bread tree given that crowley is a demon <laughs> from hell it's very nice that he cares for the ducks absolutely yeah. he's uh yeah he's kind of Obviously, uh, Aziraphale is kind of rubbing off on him a bit here. Oh, yes. But, uh, yeah, certainly here we have Shax and Crowley, but we get uh, the the notion of gossip, juicy mm. gossip, no less, yeah. circulating around the heaven and hell sphere through the the grapevine which doesn't which exist, doesn't exist. Nice. we don't we don't talk to um, heaven at all uh, yes. say the people that hell oh that's tall i uh, love that <laughs> they've used the word the grapevine because it's one of my favorite uh phrases to use have you heard on the grapevine mm-hmm. although i do sometimes use the underground grapevine as well oh, very good yes. very good um which like- is a blackadder reference of course with which uh Miranda Richardson was queenie she certainly uh, was in Blackadder season two as well. Yes. So yes, I, I love the fact that there, there there is this kind of um, unofficial, informal sort of communication line mm-hmm. between heaven and hell, which most definitely does not exist. But there would be, lights. of course. Like if it's going going around for a million years, of course you're going to have back channels between uh, heaven and hell that people will find out what's going on. Exactly. You know? Exactly. To keep the Almighty's ineffable plan together, but there has to be some kind of contact between the two of them. Most certainly, but. I think moving on to our second sign of the apocalypse. Yeah, that's kind of the setup of the episode. Getting on to our second second sign of the apocalypse. Something that is most (laughs) definitely not a part of the ineffable grand plan Mm. is the unplanned arrival of naked Gabriel in Soho. I'm surprised he wasn't taken down a back alley quite frankly <laughs> uh, given he was in soho there are there are many nooks and crannies that can be explored in soho there are it is it is one of the more, more interesting areas of london and i think it's it's kind of the, a bit of the joke of it that you know you always <laughs> see something weird on a saturday afternoon and so but so everybody's just watching on well, for the weird thing that's going on well it's even yeah. that everyone was actually just watching on just stopped going what dare i say it perving if you will and um, taking out their mobile phones uh-huh. capturing it for for posterior it is John Hamm. Oh, sorry, posterity. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, I I thought this was just hilarious. And I mean, you can absolutely see John Hamm completely enjoying this uh, this sort of. Uh, emperor with no clothes uh-huh. walk through um, the the streets of Soho to absolutely. get to Aziraphale's um, little corner bookshop. Um, and of course, Aziraphale's world of Shostakovich as he's kind of conducting along to uh, the the music uh-huh. is completely turned on its head here. Absolutely, absolutely. There, there was a, a really great interview with um, with John Hamm back at New York Comic Con last year. It was kind of a virtual interview with him uh, where he was asked why he came back for season two because everybody kind of had to be convinced to come back because you know. 
the one-off success of Good Omens season one, it's kind of, can you replicate that? You know, it's from a really well-loved book from 30 years beforehand, many years in the making. Could you replicate that with a second season? And he said he opened the script, saw the first, his first moments in it were walking naked through the streets of Soho and went, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, uh, definitely plays the role really well. You can tell he's having a lot of fun. His big hug to, uh, to Aziraphale when he arrives after putting down the box, his big naked hug. Uh, you can tell even in that there's, there's some comedy from, from John Hamm enjoying this moment. Uh, really love when they're inside and having this, uh, who's on first type comedy conversation uh, about who he is, what does he know, why is he here? Um, and Aziraphale is trying to interrogate him for information. Uh, Gabriel's giving up nothing because he has nothing to give, but he keeps dropping little uh, bombs in it, kind of going, you know, um, I knew that if I'd come here, you'd keep me safe and the bad thing wouldn't happen. Aziraphale wondering what the bad thing is and him going, well, I don't know what bad thing. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Um, I yeah. loved all of this. You know, it's like, what am I doing here? Where is here? Who are you? Mm. Who am I? But I know I'll be safe here. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just really, really good. I love that, you know, it's like, you shouldn't be here. You're Gabriel, but we need to keep you hidden. And it's like, we'll call you James or Jim. Is that, is that another word for Gabriel? No, forget Gabriel. I and mean, it's, yep. it's just really, really good. Yep. I, I like love... Jim, Jim's short for James, which is short for Gabriel. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I just really, really enjoyed all of this. Um, and I, I love how it's countered as well with Crowley, who has, you know, is going... I think at one stage says his royal smugness is in trouble. Oh, so sad. Yes. You know, so sarcastically. Yep. Um, has no real inclination to help when yeah. Aziraphale realizes that, you know, he needs, uh, his friend's help. Well, if you um, remember season one, Gabriel was pretty terrible. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, Crowley had to pretend to be Aziraphale to stop Aziraphale from being killed by the torture that Gabriel was putting him through. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, so I don't think there's any love lost between Absolutely uh, Gabriel not. I mean, and even just the fact yeah, that he yeah. is or was the supreme archangel. Exactly. I have to say now, the <laughs> other side of this is I love that Michael in heaven is there uh-huh. and is kind of like, well, someone's got to be the the supreme archangel of heaven. You know, mm-hmm. these duties still need to be performed, and it's kind of putting themselves forward as the the supreme archangel and yet when it comes to stuff happening with the big klaxon at yeah. the end and um, it's almost like she doesn't want she doesn't want the responsibility of yeah. it but wants to be sat in the seat sort of just sort of being puffing out the chest and and giving orders effectively but doesn't want the hassle of of the nitty-gritty of the role yeah Uh, i just really like that because yes i guess it can remind many people of their boss absolutely (laughs) some managers that you've had that just want the title exactly Uh, yeah but yeah, Michael's just handing a straight off to Uriel to get everything sorted. Uriel seems to be much more qualified at this because she's <laughs> obviously paid attention before to what, uh, what um, Gabriel may have been doing in the role. So uh, so I do like those little moments between yeah, them as and, well. Yeah. And Sarah Quell as well, who come with this matchbox uh, that has been found mm. in heaven, which is impossible. By Muriel. Uh, yes. yes um, with the words, the resurrectionist mm. on it. Now, the box is empty. Yep. Um, so yes, interesting. Yes. To see, but it, it kind of suggests to, uh, Saraquel, Muriel, Michael, and Uriel mm-hmm. that 
This might have been the cause. Yeah. That this might have been the cause, but also that he is more than likely gone down to Earth. Yes. So they're Edinburgh kind of, specifically. Isn't yes. It? Yeah. To Edinburgh. Yes. Uh, so kind of narrowing their search uh, for the former supreme archangel of yes. heaven. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But this was this was really good. The other thing I want to quickly mention is that. So Gabriel arrives naked at the bookshop mm-hmm. with a box, which ultimately Aziraphale goes out because Gabriel's left it on the doorstep yeah. because it might be something to give a clue. But when he opens it up, he sees that there's at least it appears to be empty. And mm. um, However, I question that because there is a moment where you see a fly go into the box mm-hmm. when it's on the doorstep. And then later on, Gabriel is being pestered by a fly in the bookshop. Yes. And within this show, the devil, Beelzebub, um, mm-hmm. is made of flies. Yes, so right. I'm just wondering um, whether it is something to do with the machinations of hell as mm-hmm. to why Gabriel is where he is. Yeah. Or whether it's Gabriel having done something to himself. Nonetheless, yeah. yes, the fly in the ointment, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, does that fly maybe contain the personality of Gabriel? Yeah. Uh, or his, his memories, maybe. Uh, that that could be interesting to see. Hopefully nobody swats us and ruins the whole uh, the whole plan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But we have Aziraphale and Crowley meeting up in Nina's coffee shop. Um, Crowley yes. getting his six shots <laughs> of coffee in a really big mug. Yeah. And Aziraphale wanting something that will be a bit more calming. And I love the fact that here... Uh, the humble Eccles cake is referenced. Um, coming up from northwest England, close to Eccles, uh, really love Eccles cakes and certainly the fresh ones that used to be made by and baked by my mum as well. So <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that they're walking across with these Eccles cakes and, and then they're to- taken into the shop in order to keep Aziraphale calm uh-huh. uh, while Crowley is sort of spiked out on caffeine here. Yeah. Um, but of course, as soon as Crowley sees Gabriel, like I said, mm-hmm. it's just don't want anything to do with it, doesn't want to help his friend and won't help his friend. And if it is, it is to get... Gabriel as far away from them as possible. Yeah. So dumping him in, in Dart- Dartmoor. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess there's, you know, you've got Sherlock Holmes, the yes. Hound of the Baskervilles. I think there's that's a big, kind of a problem, is it? You don't the, want to leave him on the moors of Dartmoor, where well, there could be a Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> there also was a famous prison there, and the yeah. reason it was there was because of all the moorland and the marshes. Also, so not a nice place to like, leave. Effectively sink i guess yeah. into the bog <laughs> but also not a nice place to leave him no but <laughs> but again crowley is a former demon so uh yes i, I get it um yeah another uh, another vote for eccles cakes if you uh if you want to have something to uh to eat while watching <laughs> along with good omens uh definitely get some eccles cakes in they're absolutely gorgeous yeah. or make them yourselves dead mm-hmm. easy and much nicer than shop bought definitely definitely very quick to Maybe we'll have Eccles Acolytes uh, through (laughs) through the podcast. Maybe. But with that, Crowley ultimately leaves Aziraphale to deal with Gabriel himself. And I think that moves us on to our third sign of the apocalypse as we move on and leave sign two. Because we have our third sign of the apocalypse, a minor miracle. Mm -hmm. Which is one that Crowley does actually return to help Aziraphale deal with Gabriel. And that's because of a sudden meeting with Beelzebub 
back at his car, which mm-hmm. I love the fact that his car fills with flies as Beelzebub shows up, say, <laughs> right, I need to speak with you. But yeah. he's like, you can just, it's, it'd be almost like worse if it was like a, a, a swarm of wasps mm-hmm. or something, but it's similar. It's just, I love David Tennant's reactions here um, as he is brought back down to, to hell. Yeah. Uh, where- is that the worst transport system you could possibly imagine? <laughs> Absolutely. Because there, there is that element of it when it's surrounded by flies, you do feel it's just dirty and disgusting. Yeah, it's, it it's almost like, like you know, know. it's raw it's it's kind of like you know Beelzebub you know do you go to the dump that is mm-hmm. Beelzebub or does the dump come to you Basically, in this yes. case Beelzebub brings the dump of flies uh-huh. um you know to I'm I'm rotting flesh and yeah. all that to um to Crowley uh, but with this meeting he does finally um confirm that Yes, the grapevine, which doesn't exist, mm-hmm. does in fact exist. Um, as Crowley said, I was just thought that was made up. Yeah. Um, but also says that extreme sanctions have been imposed on anyone helping Gabriel by mm. heaven, which is quite serious because you will be erased from the book of life, mm-hmm. which effectively means that you will have never existed. Yeah. And of course, his mate, Aziraphale, is helping Gabriel at exactly. this moment, and um, it's not. It's not that you will co- go out of existence. You will be lost from all existence. You all will of your have history never existed. never existed at all. Exactly. Yeah. And we we did hear Michael even call for that book when, yes. when Muriel gives her the the matchbook. Um, she says, "Right, uh, we have to get the book of life out." So yeah, this seems to be an agreement that if either side are helping them, they'll be erased from all of all of time and space. Yeah. And Beelzebub also is kind of saying, you know, in effect you'll be forgiven, which is not something I do very often, mm-hmm. um, and you can take your place back in hell, maybe mm-hmm. as a, one of the lords or dukes of hell, mm-hmm. um, if you are able to find Gabriel and bring him uh, back to me. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that, of course, he knows exactly where Gabriel is, and it, it, it's just the kind of the umming and ahhing that Tennant does yeah. about, you know, kind of what's in it for me, and sort of playing ignorant is just really really good here yep. and really good. but means that crowley immediately heads back to the bookshop uh-huh. to help his friend you know this is an emergency aziraphale doesn't know the danger that he's exactly. in here and exactly. um, that's what i'm guessing of course yep. it could also be that well he could bring gabriel back down to beelzebub yeah and um, here I'm suspecting I don't not. think so. No, I think he wants to protect Aziraphale. Because Definitely. if he does bring Gabriel back down, then everybody knows that Aziraphale was involved. And Aziraphale's fallen into this. He didn't have any knowledge of it at all. He has no involvement. Naked Gabriel just turned up at his door and said, you'll protect me uh, from whatever this yeah. whatever this is. So, And of course, with Crowley coming back, he needs to apologize to, mm-hmm. to Aziraphale. Yes. Um, Aziraphale wants the apology. Um, I really love the way Michael Sheen says... Well, I quite want the apology, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really British way of saying it. It's almost like saying, rather than just saying, I want you to say sorry, yeah. it's the politest way to say that. Exactly. And he says that, and Crowley just says, you were right. And he goes, well, I want the ap- apology, actually, with, with the little dance. Yes. And we get this <laughs> fantastically off-kilter uh, little dance from Crowley as he just says, 
You were right. You were right. I was wrong. You were right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I must say, I couldn't stop laughing at this. I just thought it was perfect. And yeah. I think we'll have to instigate this throughout the series I feel if like, one of us is right or yeah, wrong. I, I feel like knowing our coverage of every show that we've done, we'll make predictions they'll be wrong. So that would be, right. <laughs> that would be where, where, we, uh, where we keep it in the next episode. So make sure you send in your feedback to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com for anything that we've gotten wrong in the episode. Because yes. then we can use it next episode. Or right? we could have our own specific one, which is I'm never right and you're never well, wrong. Apparently. <laughs> that, is, that is true. We've been together 19 years, John. So, uh, so I do know... Uh, most things. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But of I loved this. I just yeah. absolutely loved the. It's almost the coyness at which Michael Sheen asks for it, and mm. then just you know, and, and has to kind of retort with him. Well, I had to do this in 1642, 1750, whatever, and yeah. 1941. And it's like mm. you know, you can do the dance. Yes, and this is a show that is known for traveling through history. We've already gone before the beginning at the beginning of this episode. Will we visit those times that Michael Sheen? Had to do the apology dance Maybe. in the past. I, I'm ex- I'm suspecting we are going to see him do yeah. the apology to Crowley. I feel like Tennant went so full force into that scene because he knows Michael Sheen also has to do <laughs> yeah, it at some exactly. point later in the season. So, exactly. uh, so that'll be good fun. And um, but they come up with then having to do a miracle, but mm-hmm. it needs to be half a miracle because each. otherwise it will be detected. Yes, half a miracle, each. half a miracle each. Yeah. Um, and of course, you just get that classic. Oh, no alarm bells. Uh, you know, <laughs> it seems that uh, no one will have noticed this. Mm. Uh, it, it's working. As then it cuts to heaven with the whole whole of heaven going red and the klaxon blaring out. As you have Sarakral going to the map, seeing this big plume <laughs> of miracle coming up from Earth as it she kind of focuses it down um, and just says there's a former bookshop owning angel up to his neck might not know where gabriel is but xerophel is up to his neck yes um, in something here and it was just so good do you think it's because the two of them worked the miracle together because there's such a connection between the two of them the two of them doing half a miracle each is what uh is what makes it so noticeable to heaven because it's very unlikely that a former demon and angel would combine their powers to do a miracle well, half a miracle um, and half a miracle then is a full miracle exactly. which would be noticed yes that's true so that's yeah, <laughs> yeah but it was no. kind of i think xerophel's point or his idea was if he only did half a miracle that wouldn't be seen by heaven and if curly did only half a miracle yes. that wouldn't be seen by hell but so the combined effect of it yeah. created a miracle I do, I do like that it's instantly noticed <laughs> yeah. that there's no like in episode five they realize that they've done a miracle yeah. it's like two and a half seconds later it's exactly. instant exactly. in heaven yeah so really, yeah, yeah. good and a, a finish there. Yeah. So And the miracle is that Gabriel won't be able to be visible by anybody looking for him. Yes. So I like that. That's uh, that's going to be interesting. We'll see see how that plays out. Exactly, uh, exactly. And forward. what are they going to do to try and hide what the miracle's actual intention is? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fantastic stuff. Yes, that's our, that's our main points for the episode. Any notes that we want to talk about? I know that one of the things we definitely wanted to mention was uh, it's really, really good to see um, Liz Carr here playing Saraquel. Uh, yeah. Just interestingly, because we've been covering the first half of season three of The Witcher and uh, Liz Carr was in that show playing the character of Fenn with her partner Codringer uh, in that in a couple episodes ago. So yeah. we've just recently talked about the character a couple of weeks ago and here she is in a nice comedy role in Good Omens. So, uh, so that's great to see her back. Uh, always great to see this, see this cast together. Definitely, definitely. 
I think the only thing uh, in notes to kind of bring up is Maggie and Nina. Yeah. You know, they're locked uh, into uh, Nina's coffee shop. Uh, <laughs> because of Crowley's tantrum, of yes, course, in the street. <laughs> as he leaves, uh, you know, after refusing to help Aziraphale hide mm-hmm. Gabriel. Knocks um, out the power and locks them inside. You see Maggie trying to see, sort of fishing for information on Nina, saying she has a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you see a little bit of crush on Maggie there and um, as and Nina saying I'm going to get so many messages off my partner Lindsay and mm. um, as they're locked in the shop because it seems like Lindsay's a bit of a control freak uh, yeah for sure Just as when the doors finally open up again courtesy of Crowley and mm-hmm. um, as he's going back in to then do his little um <laughs> apology with his dance yeah. um all these messages come through from mm. Lindsay to Nina. And to see some of them, some of them yeah. were very like, how could you do this to me? Why are you ignoring yeah. me? You know, all about, all about Lindsay. I did like Maggie's reaction to Crowley snapping his fingers and turning on the power. And she goes, wow, what a coincidence. When he went that way, it all turned off. When he goes the other way, it all turned back on. <laughs> Great fun. Yeah. Uh, good to see these characters together. And, and yeah, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely something between uh, Maggie and Nina. Oh, definitely. definitely. Maggie's, uh, Maggie's definitely attracted to Nina, but uh, um, I like the little touch that um, potentially Nina's partner is not the greatest partner in the world. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. of course, the names in the show are the first names of the actors. They are, yes. Um, I think if you have a character called Sister Mary Loquacious in the first season, you can you can play a character called Nina in uh, your own name in the second season. Yes, definitely. Uh, they don't have to go uh, too expansive when they're uh, it's an owner of a coffee shop and an owner of a uh, of a, a vinyl record store. Absolutely, <laughs> good stuff. So, Derek, what did you think about the opening episode of season two, episode one, The Arrival? I am so happy to be back in this world. It's just so much fun. They're, they they really are seem to all be enjoying themselves on the show. And it's an interesting mystery that's going on here. I'm going in completely blind in this. Remember the first season I went in as the person that had read Good Omens four or five times. I was a big fan of the book. So it's really fun seeing uh, a different story with all of these characters together. Uh, Tennant and Sheen on screen are gold. If you haven't checked out their show, they did uh, throughout lockdown staged, which is like, I think, 15 minute episodes about uh, two actors struggling through uh, COVID. It's a comedy show, but all done on Zoom effectively. Great fun. You can tell they're um, great friends and you can tell their chemistry even from that. So having them both on screen again together, always great. John Hamm is having great fun here. Um, I love this angels versus demons uh, idea. I love shows like that. You know, it was done for drama's sake uh, on Supernatural where we saw the machinations of heaven and hell and how they try and control the world. So seeing it again here in the second season in more of a comedy role uh, is going to be interesting. I want to see how it expands. You know, this... this, uh, the thing I mentioned earlier on about, you know, AZ Fell and Co., the bookshop now being on the street in Soho and expanding that little universe into at least a street with a few shops. That's one element of expansion to the show. So I want to see how big it goes, how far it will go across uh, across different places uh, yeah. in in the UK. If this is what is the big mystery, what's going to happen in the show is I'm really intrigued. What is the bad thing that's going to happen? Last season, it was the apocalypse that was going to end everything. So is this a second apocalypse being caused by um, by Gabriel not being in heaven again. Yeah, going so, AWOL, yeah. effectively. Yeah. Fascinating. Really looking forward to it. So good stuff. And it made me laugh a lot as well. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to the rest of the season. How about yourself, John? What do you think overall of this first episode? Uh, again, like yourself, um, I really, really enjoyed coming back into this world. I love the, the quirkiness of it. I love the dynamic of 
so many of the different characters, whether it's, you know, obviously the big ones being Crowley and Aziraphale, but it's also Crowley with Shax. Mm-hmm. It's Michael with the other angels. What's the line with Shax again? Um, you know, if you want to interrupt me, you either call me or you arrive. You don't call and arrive unexpectedly. Beside me. <laughs> exactly. Why not? <laughs> Love um, that you know, yeah. They're all really, really good. Mm-hmm. I love John Hamm yeah. hamming it up uh, naked walking through Soho. It, You know, you can see the quirkiness, the fun, um, and, of course, the intrigue. You know, why is Gabriel there with no memories? Mm-hmm. What has happened? What does a small little matchbox mean uh, that's been found in heaven? Mm. Why has it got... Um, both heaven and hell searching for Gabriel and to the point that if anyone is helping him, uh, there is effectively the ultimate um, punishment of being wiped from existence Absolutely. entirely. So for me, I just thought it was really good sort of set up mm-hmm. episode one for this series in such a fun way i give this four dusting gabriels out of five <laughs> what are you doing gabriel i'm dusting <laughs> <laughs> it was you know just things like that yeah. you know are really good i mean the apology stuff just made me howl we'll do it we have to do it one more time i think then, so don't we? yeah you were right you were right i was wrong you were right that's <laughs> great. That's great. Really, really good. Um, and so, yeah, can't wait for the next episode. Excellent stuff. The episodes of uh, Good Omens, as I mentioned, are all available right now on uh, on Prime Video, all six episodes of the, f- of the second season. Uh, we have a little bit of feedback in uh, on those episodes. We're just recording the day after uh, day after the episodes came out. So uh, first up, we got a bit of feedback from Dr. Bob Phillips. Yes. Uh, Dr. Bob Phillips says, This had all the feels of a proper sequel to the original. It's lighthearted with some solid points to make. It's quirky but consistent, mm. and it's still putting tassels on twists. <laughs> Queenie is Hell's representative in London. John Hamm gets a wiggly naked cuddle with Sheen, <laughs> and we crushed coffee shop romance and spy benches in the first 15 minutes. Add to that the appearance of Fen in heaven. Is her witchery detective partner going to be flaming down below? And the box that contains nothing, which may be Gabriel liberated from upstairs, and we've got six episodes of delight ahead of us. Absolutely. Uh, thanks so much, Dr. Bob. Um, I completely agree. It is the six episodes of sheer delight that awaits us. And it would be so good if uh, Fenn's equivalent from The Witcher, Codringer, was uh, down in hell. Or her partner, yeah. 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 So uh, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, you know what, Dr. Bob? I think your description of this being quirky but consistent is uh, it makes it, it's a great description of the second season. Uh, it is quirky, but once you get into the humor... Um, it's consistently that level of quirky and interesting and funny. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Great stuff. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Hopefully we'll hear from you for the rest of the episodes of the season. Absolutely. Uh, also stuff. on Facebook, uh, Laura Willie Swink says, Let us know, Derek, between you and John, who is Aziraphale and who is Crowley? Interesting <laughs> question, Laura. Uh, I was thinking about this. I, I'll say the same response that I gave to Laura on, on Facebook at this. Uh, do you know in season one when Aziraphale plays Crowley and Crowley plays Aziraphale? I think that's me and you. <laughs> I'm not going to say which one's which, but I think we have traits of both um, mixed together. Sometimes a bit of Crowley comes out. Uh, sometimes a bit of a Xerophel comes out. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm I'm kind of a mixture of the two, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. for sure. Um, but who do you air more, on the, uh, more like, do you think? 
I guess I look up to Crowley. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> More so. Yeah. That would be my... Like, I just really like Crowley. Not I, because yeah. he's evil or he's doing <laughs> evil stuff, but it's just, I think the... um doesn't really give two hoots. Absolutely. You know, he calls, calls out his niche. It's that side of him that I really like. I like that. I like that. I think I'm more likely a Xerophel, more like a Xerophel, but probably would like to have more moments like Crowley. Yeah. Crowley. And, of course, <laughs> like a Xerophel, I would munch on a good Eccles cake. Oh, absolutely. Well. Absolutely. That always calms me down as well, definitely. <laughs> Hot buttery puff pastry. Mm-hmm. I think we're going out to get some uh, get some uh, ingredients for Eccles cakes this afternoon. I think John. we might. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks so much for uh, for your thoughts on the first episode. We'd love to hear more from you. Uh, email us into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or as I mentioned, pop on over to podcastica.com. I'm sure Jason will be forwarding over any messages that he gets over there uh, for the episodes. Also over in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. I do have a spoiler post up for each episode of Good Omen so you can pop in your thoughts as you go on there. Yes, uh, we'll be back next time with Good Omens Season 2, Episode 2, The Clue, featuring the minisode, A Companion to Owls. Mm. Uh, yes. Interesting. You can Is gra- that a post-credit minisode or I don't know. minisode? Interesting. I do not know. I know the next three episodes all have minisodes attached to them, so uh, Very I Very good. Uh, oh, just by the way, of course, uh, Prime Video. We always forget to mention this in Prime Video. If you're watching it on your laptop, uh, pop over to the X-Ray function, and there's loads of behind-the-scenes stuff um, and and um, making of stuff and loads of little facts uh, about the episodes as well. So always one of the best things about a Prime Video show. Yes. Uh, and so if you want to join us uh, for... Episode 2 of Season 2, The Clue, featuring the Minnesota and Companion to Owls. You can subscribe to any godly or devilish podcast player mm-hmm. of your choice over at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, we are also uh, where you can subscribe, rate us, leave a review, and of course, please share the podcast mm-hmm. uh, in heavenly uh, function uh, because of course sharing the podcast is sharing, sharing the, love. the love we're uh, all about sharing the love absolutely. here absolutely you can also find us over on patreon.com forward slash tv podcast industries or buymeacoffee.com forward slash tvpi yeah absolutely and of course once again a huge thank you to jason cabassi and podcastica.com check them out for other podcasts such as the cast of us which has just finished their coverage of walking dead dead city uh, check out strange indeed as well if you want some more demon stuff uh rima joe and paik uh, just finished covering black mirror season six the last episode of that one was demon 79 so if you want to check out some more interesting demons set in a british landscape yes. uh, as well in 1979 i think it's a really fun episode actually uh, go check that out over on strange indeed uh, run for your lives with daphne and paik uh, also covering any movies that would make you run for your life, uh, which I always like. That uh, gives a really broad spectrum of movies and, and TV does. shows that, uh, that make you run for your life. So great stuff over there. Uh, and I will also give a good shout out here to uh, uh, if you enjoy good British comedy, I'd also uh, recommend Penny and Greg's coverage of the very adult superhero comedy Extraordinary, uh, which was on um, Disney Plus and Hulu in the US, uh, also available on podcastica.com. Uh, I remember Extraordinary. That was great fun to watch the uh, the show about everybody in the UK getting superpowers except for a, a small few. Uh, it's a great fun show. Uh, check that out and check out Greg and Penny's coverage. Excellent stuff. Uh, again, fellow acolytes, uh, thank you for joining us. As always, remember, keep watching, keep listening, and remember, the apocalypse is coming, so grab your hard hat, Heather Heather Wallace. Wallace. Bye. Bye.